1: We're talking Braves baseball today, this Thursday, October 19th, with our MLB.com Braves reporter, Mark Bowman. Mr. Bowman, thanks as always uh, for joining us. And uh, what I want to focus on today is something that I always find interesting at the end of every baseball regular season is just how much attrition occurs within a team's starting rotation. Because it seems like for the way a rotation looks during spring training, heading into game one, that by game 162, there's a lot of changes that uh, maybe sometimes go overlooked. So I want you to kind of take us down this long and winding path and tell us, you know, the five guys that were, you know, the Braves rotation heading into opening day, and by the time game 162 wrapped up, uh, how much differently that rotation looked.
2: Well, you know, it's certainly the Braves rotation – certainly took on a a much different look as the season evolved, and and in some ways it was somewhat somewhat expected. You go back to the offseason last year and they go out and sign R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon and and acquire Jaime Garcia, and all of a sudden they have three veterans that they viewed as short-term bridges. I think that you know, entering the season they were realistic about their possibilities. They knew that they may end up trading one or two of them during the season. Uh, they, They wanted them to basically serve as the when I said bridge, basically their presence allowed Sean Newcomb, at, you know, to, to have the extra two months there in the minor league level. Um, They didn't have to rush him like they maybe had with, with Blair the year before or Whistler the year before that. They they wanted to end that. They wanted to get to a point where they didn't feel the need to rush these guys. Julio Teron obviously got off to a rough start. He, he didn't find familiarity here at SunTrust Park with that mound. He, he struggled. Uh, there, it really wasn't until the middle of August until he got going. Uh, he, he found his slider while he was pitching at course Field, just basically took a a notch or two off it, and uh, you know threw it a little bit with a with a little bit less velocity, and, and found a good feel for it. That became that, that's always been his pitch, you know, his out pitch. When he has that in his arsenal, he, he's a much different pitcher. And I, I think he did enough at least down the stretch to give them some sense that he can at least be a solid number three or number four. And, and, you know, I know people have always said, hey, look, I thought he was supposed to be ace. Well, I think there was a, a time during the, his minor league days and maybe even his rookie year where people thought that. But, you know, this guy is probably just a solid number three or number four. Um, as you went on, went on with as he struggled, he's obviously Bartolo Colon, his struggles, altered the plan significantly. And by the beginning of June, they knew they couldn't stick with him anymore and uh, their rotation. You know, they, they, he obviously had some success there in Minnesota, and I think that's, that's one of the major reasons why some fans are saying, you know, you know, is it smart to bring Chuck Hernandez back as a pitching coach? You know, this staff really – Julio seemed to take a step back while, while Julio butted heads with Roger McDowell. Um, you know, he seemed to get more out of him and have more comfort there. He knew him, that's for sure. Uh, a guy like Bartolo didn't uh, – you know, he, he performed so much better in Minnesota. That, that, that kind of altered some things. They, and, look, they have talked about maybe parting ways with, with Chuck Hernandez, but as we speak right now, it, it does seem like he's coming back. Um, as the summer evolved, you saw Mike, flashes of Mike Fultonovich's potential. Uh, this, this is a guy that that has ace-like stuff. He has not found it, you know, from uh, his pitching IQ needs to change a little bit his, it, he needs to control his emotions a little bit better on the mound, on a more consistent basis. He improved significantly in that department. and still has significant improvement. Uh, he can he can still make significant progress in that area. Um, but as you look ahead and, and you you look at Fulte and you look at what Luis Gohara did in September when he came up, uh, what the strides that Nuka made. For the most part, he threw strikes more consistently than than people thought. I think once he develops that third pitch. Uh, he could be a legitimate number two, um, and and the other thing is by the end of the month, you know, we talked about they went out and got all these older guys. By the end of the season, you started to see the Max Freeds, Lucas Sims, Gohara. They, they were you were getting a glimpse of the future because they went ahead and traded Jaime Garcia, who, um, you know, while he pitched pretty effectively for a while, I think he struggled at the wrong time for them to get any value for him at the trade deadline. I think that. You know, just to have a chance to to, to allow Max Freed and Sims and these guys to to have some starts that could prove beneficial next year. And, and like I said, with Luis Gohara, I think that there's no doubt that he is certainly the most physically gifted of all the prospects that we've seen Atlanta bring to the to the big leagues within the last two years.
1: Yeah, no, no question there. A lot of young arms uh, with a lot of promise, ready to come up through the ranks and contribute uh, significantly. Hopefully, as soon as 2018. Mark, I want to go back to your comments about uh, Julio Tehran. I found it interesting that you cited uh, his uncomfortableness, if that's such a word, uh, with SunTrust Park and, and the way that he struggled to adapt uh, to the new surroundings. Was that the kind of the go-to theory as to why his numbers were so down this year? Was that by his own admission? Was that a team observation? How did that come about?
2: You know, it, it was baffling for a little while, but, but you looked at it. I, I don't have to look at exactly the exact numbers, but i I'm gonna say if you went back to May fifteenth, maybe even you know, a little bit later in May, you'll find his road ERA was one point something and his uh his home ERA um was closer to like six point five. Wow. You know, so you know, it was the home runs that he was giving up there. I think that uh there was a day I I think it was around May twenty fourth, twenty fifth, it was a Pirates series, I believe. He went out there and it, it was a Sunday afternoon. And you just saw him just working on the mound by himself. It was probably five to six hours before a game. Just instead of doing his bullpen session out there in the bullpen, he did it on the regular mound. He just – it maybe it became a mental thing. But after that, it, there was some slight improvement. I think what it was was, you know, for some reason, he that particular mound, he, he wasn't getting a consistent release for it. And, and that affected his slider. Um, it's some You know, sometimes when something like this happens – it could be a physical thing. It could be realistically the mound was, you know, just, he just couldn't find comfort there. But I think when when something like this happens, it, you can point to it being, becoming more mental. And, you know, I, I think that if you looked at, you know, you looked at some of the StatCast stuff, his release point was slightly off um, when you compared it to home and road, especially with the slider. But at the same time, I think it became more of a mental thing. For him, and, and by the end of the season, he pitched much better at SunTrust Park.
1: Yeah, and hopefully, like you said, if it is a mental thing, he can. uh It's something that can be overcome because he has the the repertoire and the talent and the pure stuff uh, to be a successful top of the rotation pitcher as he has been in the past. And hopefully, 2017 was simply one of those years for him. We'll see if he bounces back in 2018. Uh, I don't know the contract status of uh, R. A. Dickey, but uh, you know a guy that uh, you know he, he is what he is. A guy that the, the ERA is in the, the low fours. Uh, he gives you nearly two hundred innings, uh, thirty plus starts. He, he did all that in twenty seventeen. Can this be a guy that can be uh, counted on in twenty eighteen to be that veteran presence at the you know the middle or the back of that rotation again?
2: The R. A. situation was was very interesting even before we had the the front office shakeup here and. You know, we'll go back and, and remind the fans that he has an $8 million option, and, and that also he'll be 43 next year, and he's, one of his options is he's thinking about retiring. He has not made that decision, and the Braves have not made a decision on whether they're going to exercise his option, you know, part of that being that they still don't know exactly what the complete fallout from this investigation is going to be. Will John Hart still be leading the charge? Will there be somebody else in there? So there, there are some questions that need to be answered, and, and I'm sure, you know, these, these questions need to be answered before eight answers his own. You know, if they do extend the offer, does he still want to pitch one more year? He talked about it during the last weekend of the regular season. Yes, this was a, a successful season. It was everything that he wanted. It was close. It was close to home. He, he got to pitch for the Braves, and you know, for the most part, here's a guy who, you know, they're, they're, he had a couple clunkers that affected his ERA. But but you go and look at how many times he. He completed seven innings. And how many times would he actually have a chance to win? He was he was as consistent as any starter they had all year long. Uh, at, with that being said, you know, his children are getting a little bit older, and, and he's, he's at least thinking right now, you know, does he want to continue to play? And and I think before he, he makes that decision, he wants to see what the landscape is here. And we may need to wait for that. We uh, may need to wait until after the World Series to find out exactly what the Braves are looking at in terms of who's going to be uh, leading the charges here, there's a chance MLB will allow them to to get a sense of what their their plans are, um, you know, during the World Series, making that announcement. But at the same time, uh, we could be leading, heading straight to right up to the opening of the free agent market before we really know what, what R.A. Dickey's going to
1: do. Yeah, there's a lot up in the air with the, the front office uh, fallouts, as you referenced with uh, John Capolella a couple weeks ago, and a lots to sort out, which will dictate the future of uh, R.A. Dickey uh, with the Braves or perhaps uh, out of baseball. It's like you said, he's 43 now, and even knuckleballers can't pitch forever. Uh, so we'll see what happens with uh, R.A. Dickey. And the time we have left, uh, Mr. Bowman, I want to get your thoughts and a guy that you referenced already, uh, Sean Newcomb. Uh, the the numbers, I think, a little misleading. You, you look at four and nine, and that doesn't jump off the page. But in a day and age where so much is preached about pitchers who miss bats, this guy misses bats better than a strikeout per inning, 100 innings this past year on the nose, 108 Ks. Yes, he gave up 100 hits, but I got to think that with the stuff and with the, again, averaging better than a strikeout per inning, that that's got to be so encouraging for the Braves to know that this guy may be, only be scratching the surface right now.
2: No, no doubt about it. You know, I saw it. You know, you could see the evolution uh, coming. And, and you know, when he came up, he was he got to a point where he had to basically go become a fastball curveball guy. While he was toying with that changeup, it wasn't quite there. I by the end of the year, I saw a guy who probably enters spring training next year, confident that he has three pitches in his repertoire. And I think that was it. You know, I know that the big knock against him has always been. You know, he doesn't throw, throw, did not throw enough strikes at the minor league level. You know, another knock should have always been, hey, he's got to be able to throw this third pitch to be successful at the big league level as a starter. Um, I think we saw enough evolution with that changeup, some enough improvement down the stretch to where, you know, I, I think that they can count on him to to move closer to being that number two next year. Well I was saying the same thing about Fulte last year, and I said. Said the same thing about Foldy up until the end of July this year. He took a step back over the the final two months. When you're dealing with young pitchers, you have to be patient. You know, and I know that Braves fans are probably sick of it because every time somebody, uh, you know, see the evolution of a young pitcher, you can point back to the struggle with the Glavin and Smoltz hat. But at the same time, you, you've got to remember that it doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes, when it does happen overnight, it's just going to be a you know, it's going to be a flash in the pan. You know, you, you've got your, you know, be, allow Braves fans to relate to this as well. I mean, sometimes you have your Chuck Jameses that, that have you know, what you might call immediate success at the big league level. But, but those kind of guys usually, you know, fade pretty quickly. The guys that they may have a long-term future, uh, you need to go through the growing pains like Newcomb did for a portion of this year, like Fulton has the last couple of years. It's going to be we're getting to a point where Fulte's going to have to to put it together here soon but at the same time with Newcomb and Johara, uh next year you're going to see a lot you know I think you're going to see a lot of that promise at the same time you've got to be somewhat patient knowing that they're going to go through the same growing pains that basically every other pitcher who's ever pitched the big league level has
1: yeah and I think those uh Glavin and Smalls guys turned out okay if memory serves and uh <laughs> you know it's uh, failure is a part of long-term success at times, and especially in this uh, unforgiving sport. So hopefully, uh, you know, the failures can be kept in perspective and uh, Braves fans will realize that these guys uh, maybe, hopefully, you know, a lot could happen, but do for some big things in 2018 uh, and beyond. Uh, certainly time will tell. Mark Bowman, our thanks to you for joining us. Today, as we break down the Braves rotation, we will uh, do it again soon. We thank you for the time. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras Atlanta Braves.
0: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best